BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Was Al Franken railroaded when he was forced to resign from the Senate in the face of Me Too complaints about unwanted sexual touching and kissing? Jane Mayer wrote a long report on the case for The New Yorker and concluded, yes, he was railroaded. But Jeet here disagrees. He's the nation's national affairs correspondent, and we reached him today in Regina, Saskatchewan. Jeet, welcome back. Good to be here. Well, the Al Franken case is one where you and I have different positions. Let's talk about the strengths and then the weaknesses in Jane Mayer's report on Al Franken. And of course, I'm from St. Paul, so maybe I'm biased in favor of the former senator from Minnesota. Just to remind our listeners who may have forgotten, Al Franken was one of the most liberal and one of the most effective Democrats in the Senate, but he was forced by his own party to resign just three weeks after a conservative talk radio host named Leanne Tweeden accused him of having forced an unwanted kiss on her during a USO tour of the Mideast in 2006. After that, seven other women accused him of improper and unwanted touching or kissing, and eventually 36 Democratic senators called on him to resign, and he did in December 2017. Jane Mayer opens her report by quoting seven current and former senators who now regret that they called for Al Franken's resignation. Isn't that a lot by historical standards? Yeah, I think that's one of the... There's several very strong points to Jane Mayer's report, and one of them is getting senators and former senators on the record uh, that they've uh, rethought this. And I think that the Franken case is something that's a kind of festering wound within the Democratic Party. I mean, beyond Franken himself, Kristen Gildebrand, her uh, run for the presidency has sort of been hobbled by the fact that she was the, the first senator to come out for Franken resigning, although she did that after Chuck Schumer had privately indicated that they were going to cut Franken loose. And I think the reason the senators who had previously called on Franken to resign have sort of turned, uh, flipped on this is that it is there's a lot about the case that is a gray area. And uh, part of that has to do with, you know, how it all started. So let's talk about the how this whole thing started. It was with a photo that Leanne Tweeden released from Franken's seventh USO tour. At the time, he was not yet a senator. He was a comedian on this tour. The photo mm-hmm. shows him 
mugging for the camera as he reaches for the breasts of his USO tour co-star, Tweeden. She's wearing a military helmet, fatigues, and a bulletproof vest. And it looks like she's sleeping, so she's not consenting to this joke. Uh, It looks really bad. And immediately Slate published a piece headlined, Franken should resign immediately. Sean Hannity interviewed Tweeden on his show, and she said he had also forced a kiss on her in rehearsal. Uh, She then released a statement saying, Senator Franken, you grabbed my breasts while I was sleeping and had someone take a photo of you doing it, knowing I would see it later and be ashamed, close quote. Is she right that he grabbed her breast while she was sleeping? No, I think that the um, everything uh, in uh, Mayor's report indicates that he, I mean, he was mugging for the camera. It was a kind of a joke in very poor taste, but it was you know meant in a kind of humorous way, and it's very much in keeping with a lot of the humor of that tour. I mean, this is a tour you know for soldiers in Afghanistan, you know, who are facing death, uh, and our military people are adults. Uh, I don't think we should be shocked that this is a place where sort of blue comedy flourishes. And the comedy here centers on Franken's character on the tour. He is the nerd, the nebbish, the guy who can't get girls. He's trying to touch the breasts of the beautiful woman, but they are covered by a bulletproof vest. And that's supposed to be the joke here. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's if we know the context for the photo and if we think about what's going on in there, it's less damaging. I think there's maybe some question as to whether she was asleep and, you know, like consented to the joke. But certainly the joke was no different than many other jokes that were made on that tour. In some ways, Leanne Tweeden's most serious complaint is that Franken wrote a scene to perform on stage which required her to kiss him. What does Jane Mayer say about that claim? He did not write that scene for her. That's a scene that he has uh, performed previous times with um, uh, other female comedians or performers. I mean, it's a set routine. It was not done for her in particular. And as you said, it's in keeping with the sort of character that he was performing, the kind of, you know, loser who can't get the girls uh, and who the girls reject. I mean, uh, since it's a U.S. author, it's very much a sort of Bob Hope joke. And the script that Al wrote has her fighting him off mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, you yeah. just wrote this so you could kiss me. And his next line is, yeah, he admits on stage. <laughs> and the videos of the tour show that the audience hoots and hollers uh, at this. Now, her complaint against him is, you just wrote this so you could kiss me, but that's actually the line that he wrote for her in the script. I'm getting dizzy here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, from her uh, complaint in her account, it sounds like this is a premeditated sort of uh, act of predation. Uh, the weight of all the evidence indicates that, no, it actually was a sort of comedy routine where the joke was on Franken. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, for that reason alone, we're uh, well justified to, like, you know, reject her claim. Leon Tweeden says Al had this picture taken and sent it to her alone specifically as, quote, the final F.U. from him to her. Jane Mayer amazingly found the mailer in which the photo came. 
it came to everyone on the tour, not just Leanne Tweeden, as a part of a whole bunch of photographs of the tour. It was in an envelope stamped official business, and the return address was Department of the Army, Office of the Chief of Public Affairs. The labels on the CD with all the pictures says USO and contains a note from the photographer saying, quote, it was a pleasure to serve with you on the 2006 tour, close quote. So it does not seem like this was intended specifically no, no, by no. Al Franken yeah. to humiliate her. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, the, the claim is that he was targeting her in particular. And then that's really uh, a running argument in her complaint against um, Franken. And I, I think, yeah, the, the evidence really doesn't bear that out at all. So now let's talk about the, the context in which the 36 Democrats called on his resignation. This was during the campaign for that special election to the Senate going on in Alabama. Remind us what that was about and the bearing it had on the case. Sure. Uh, the uh, Republicans had nominated Roy Moore, who had very serious and credible allegations of uh, child molestation against him. And the Democrats uh, hoped, uh, and they were right to hope, that they could uh, defeat him uh, by, uh, you know, making this an issue. And so at the time, there was a lot of people who felt that, you know, given both Moore, but also Donald Trump being president, and a, um, a lot of rage among the Democratic Party on sort of uh, these Me Too issues, and Me Too itself becoming a movement, that the Democrats needed to look, they needed to present a principled argument that, you know, there's a line that you can't cross, and we apply this line to our side as well as anyone. Uh, and that Moore is well outside that line. Uh, and then people also said, well, and Franken is as well. And then after the photo came out, and after the accusations from Leanne Tweeden, seven other women came forward complaining of unwanted kissing or sexual touching by Al Franken. And that really was what made the difference for the Democrats forcing him to resign. Tell us about those seven women and their complaints. I want to say, like, uh, just speaking uh, for myself, because I had experienced all this, that when the first complaint came out from Tweeden, I was skeptical of it for a bunch of reasons, one of which is that um, there seemed to be very much connections with right-wing dirty tricks people. The Rogers, notorious Roger Stone had tweeted out, you know, it's going to be Al Franken's time in the barrel. And the the, the first reporting was from this uh, uh, right-wing radio station and that they hadn't made an effort to contact uh, Franken to get his side of the story. But so if it was just the first complaint, one could reasonably dismiss it, as I was inclined to do. But then there came like a bunch of other stories of varying degrees of credibility or evidence, you know, like some had names attached to them, some were anonymous, and from different sources, like, you know, the Jezebel, Huffington Post. And I, th I think one thing that made a difference for me was that I know, at least in one of the stories, that this is, had been a story that had been uh, under investigation by a media outlet before the treatment thing broke, so that this could not possibly be a coordinated uh, effort. As you say, the complaints were of sort of different levels of, of seriousness. Mm -hmm. One of the complaints was a woman who said that Al Franken, quote, seemed to look as if he wanted to kiss me, close quote. On the other hand, two of the complaints were about 
unwanted kisses, quote, wet open mouth kisses. And another said he squeezed her waist in a creepy way while posing for a photo at the Minnesota State Fair, where, of course, hundreds of people had pictures taken with Al Franken. How do you evaluate this range of complaints from pretty trivial to not so trivial? I think think another important point to emphasize and why this is a gray area is that although some of them are, you know, serious in terms of like, you know, uh, unwanted contact, like none of them is on the level of the claims against uh, Harvey Weinstein or Jeffrey Epstein or, you know, Bill Cosby, right? Like, I mean, I think we should be clear about that. I mean, like, if you wanted to lump them in together or see them, they, they kind of amount to sort of like goosing, unwanted contact, maybe social awkwardness is the most benign spin on some of them. And then I think that where you and I might disagree on this is, I, th- I think the mayor article really tries to frame this as like, you know, well, you know, this is a socially awkward guy because, you know, his hands sort of go flying around. And, you know, his staff was aware that this is a problem and tried to uh, deal with it. And uh, I think that has an element of truth to it, but I think it's also the case that he didn't respond to the complaints in a sort of credible way right away as he should have. And I I think that's perhaps the other way to think about this. This is like, he's a politician. He's in a political framework, and these are political issues. And one issue probably might have been that he didn't have a script. That, you know, like, like in this sort of like Me Too era, we're developing scripts for dealing with these issues. And, you know, like one plausible script, uh, which my former colleague Rebecca Traster said was, you know, he could have just said, I apologize for any inappropriate things, and I have to have a time of reflection. Uh, let's have, like, you know, let's have a timeout for a couple of weeks, and then, but also have a Senate investigation. And I think that the um, the political issue, which I think is key, is that he didn't handle it in a way that is good for the party or good for the political system. Like, like I think that it's actually we do need to develop ways to talk about this stuff and to have appropriate punishment. And if he's overpunished, it's it's uh, do that do that lack of a of an uh, an appropriate script. He seemed very blustery and defensive and not thoughtful at that moment. And that was a that was a at a moment which is very crucial because you had the Senate election coming up and you have Democrats also, you know, going into the uh, uh, next year's midterm, really trying to position themselves as an alternative to, you know, like a president who, you know, has very serious rape allegations against them. Maybe the biggest reason why so many Democrats called on Franken to resign is that Minnesota had a Democratic governor, which meant a Democrat would be appointed to replace him. And indeed, Minnesota now has a different Democratic senator named Tina Smith, who's perfectly good liberal and does well on uh, MSNBC. She's up for re-election in 2020 after winning a special election to a two-year term. But, you know, Tina Smith is... No, uh, Al Franken at it, it his best. Well, I mean, I think that's the sort of uh, issue. Like, like, how essential is it that Franken hold that seat if you have a good uh, liberal Democrat who can hold uh, hold that position? Like, is it worth? I mean, the cost benefit analysis. Is it worth the embarrassment? And like I said, there are ways in which the matter could have been held dealt in another way that he could have kept the job. I think yes. people were really sort of like sideswiped by this, you know, like it's sort of, and the, the problem is, you know, you had seven women come out 
if he stayed in that seat, like, you know, others could have come out. And I think that if you work in media, you know, you know that there there are other stories out there, right? Like that are yeah. people are investigating. Look, I think uh, Matt Iglesias of Vox said it best, where I think, you know, we need to frame this as like Franken did a public service. He did a public service for the Democratic Party. He did a public service for the cause of feminism. And he did a public service for his country by resigning. The question now is, is there a way, you know, to rehabilitate Franken and bring him back into public sphere? Like, I don't think that, you know, given what the accusations are, that this is someone who should be a pariah or should be out of public life. He, I think he can certainly have a public role. Uh, I believe he has a podcast. Yes. <laughs> a rival to it. Yes, to we all program. have podcast. Everybody has a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that the, uh, so I, I feel like, was it the optimum outcome? No. Is it an outcome that, like, you know, where there was some good that happened and that we can maybe um, heal some wounds and, and move forward in a way that there's, you know, more justice to Franken? Yeah, I think so. And I'll, I'll say another thing about the my thinking about this, which is that the social change that's happening is so necessary. Like, if you look at the Senate, you know, they've been, in recent memory, in the memory of, like, almost anyone who's listening to us now, there were real, like, horrible predators in the Senate that everybody knew about. Female senators knew that you should not get in an elevator with uh, Strom Thurmond, <laughs> that he was known for groping, you know, not just, like, interns or assistants, but groping his peers, his female senators. You know, and one could go on about, like, Ted Kennedy and other figures, right? Like, there was, like, open predation in the Senate and an old boys network that protected that. So like there's an absolute necessity for moving beyond that and for trying to set markers. Jeet here. He wrote about the case of Al Franken for thenation.com. Jeet, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.